0: Welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. I'm the mom, Linda Weininger. And today we get to read Joshua. Joshua 1 to 8 and Joshua 23 to 24. Um, So the Lord had promised Abraham and his posterity an everlasting inheritance that included the land of Canaan. However, Abraham's descendants had moved to Egypt and had now been gone for 500 years. And the land of Canaan was full of other inhabitants. So when the Israelites finally crossed the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. Jericho was the first city they conquered. These chapters tell the story of the prophet Joshua leading the Israelites into their promised land. So the book of Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament and no longer, Moses is no longer there. Um, Joshua led the children of Israel into their promised land, the land of Canaan, later called Israel. The, this book includes Joshua's experiences as he is led by the Lord. It also includes the first experiences of the Israelites as they enter their promised land. Um, Joshua was the prophet after Moses was translated. And... Um, <sighs> this is this is exciting because I remember Joshua 1 nine um, is one of my favorite scriptures and I remember when uh, just before I got called to be young women's president this scripture this youth theme uh, this scripture was used as a youth theme the year before and I used it as my personal theme the year before that which was pretty hilarious because I was not a youth leader but I consider myself a youth in the gospel. All the time, because I'm still learning so much, so anyway, so this scripture is is so sweet, so I am so excited to read Joshua one nine uh, or Joshua chapter one, and just kind of get to know this prophet a little bit more because I haven't learned much from him. so um, the book of Joshua. So chapter one, the Lord speaks to Joshua. He is commanded to be of good courage, to meditate upon the law, and to keep the commandments. He prepares Israel to enter Canaan. Okay, um, so we have some commentary from the redheaded hostess, of course. So I will be reading some of that um, as we get into it. Okay, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, It came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land, which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses for from the wilderness and this Lebanon even unto the great river the river Euphrates Eu- Euphrates all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses so will I be with thee I will not fail thee nor forsake thee be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to the law, to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from, from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Okay, so these verses one through seven. Already you can see how amazing these this this these chapters are going to be. So Joshua became the prophet and military leader over the Israelites and it was now time for them to obtain their promised land, which would require battling the other nations who were living upon the land. This was Joshua's mission as a prophet to lead the Israelites into their promised land and keep them worthy of obtaining it. What a blessing he was to the Israelites. His leadership will bless the Israelites and make the promised land within their reach. Imagine all the things that Joshua was going to face. Imagine following in Moses's footsteps for one, right? um that would be so hard but also imagine being the one responsible for obtaining the promised land that had been promised to abraham isaac and jacob imagine being the military leader and the spiritual leader to millions notice the promised land Notice the promise that the Lord gave to Joshua in verse five, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. What a promise. I love that. Actually, I was going to say something about that when I was reading it, but I didn't want to ruin like the, the, the process. Right. Um, What a comfort that must have been to hear what made Moses such a great prophet was that the Lord was with him and Moses would do exactly as the Lord commanded. Joshua had witnessed and learned from a great mentor. Also notice how many times the Lord assured Joshua that he will be with him and that the need for Joshua to be strong and of a good courage, right? For sure. The Lord knew that Joshua was going to be in many different hair raising, quick decision circumstances as they go in the, to possess the promised land. He was going to need inspiration all along that journey. He will have a sword in one hand and scriptures in the other. Ooh, that's like so powerful to picture. He will need to be strong and have a good courage. That is a characteristic that those who will stand as a witness of God must have, and it is vital characteristic for those characteristic for those who are willing to be called of God and do things they have never done before. Oh, so good, so good. Um, I love this because of course Joshua is going to feel inadequate that 's just a normal uh, tactic from the adversary that attacks everybody with that and so of course joshua's gonna hear those same things and so the lord is combating those whispers with affirmations and telling and truth statements statements of truth telling joshua that he is going to be with them and that he's going to be with him all the days of his life and what like i know that that is the same promise that he makes to each one of us as we continue to keep the commandments now it might seem so. Uh, actually, I'm going to read verse eight and nine, and then I'm going to say some things. Okay, so this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy pros- thy way prosperous, and they, and then thou shalt have good success. Do you read? Do you did you hear that? He said that. The book of the law, a.k.a. the scriptures, shall not depart out of thy mouth. So we need to make sure that we're always reading them. And it seems like out loud. Okay. But, and, and we should meditate on them every day and every night. And to observe or obey to do according to that which is written therein so be obedient to those words and then it will help us to be prosperous and we shall have success like where do you not want success like i want success in every aspect of my life everywhere everywhere i go everything i do and this is the recipe for success the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth so keep it with you but Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Read it out loud. Meditate on it during the day. Meditate on it during the night. Some ideas to meditate on the words of Christ would be listen to a podcast, read books that have to do with scriptures or from general authorities. We know that um, the words from general authorities are also the word of God, right? And then we also know that we can have the scriptures. We can read them. We can listen to them. We can talk about them day and night, meditate, okay? And and then we are obedient to those things that we have been reading, that we not just read them, but we internalize them and actually help them become a part of our lives, that we are obeying those things that we are reading because we believe in them so much and we believe those promises. So because we believe the promises, we are obedient to those promises because we want those blessings and we want the power of the Lord. Ooh, Faust just brought me a smoothie. Thank you, Faust. Hmm so delicious dad made some smoothie today um and then says that we will find success he will make our way prosperous and we will have good success not bad success good success (laughs) okay and now this is my favorite scripture although that scripture right there with the life equation if you could sum up the whole scriptures that would be what it is right um so joshua 1 9 have not i commanded thee be strong and of a good courage be not afraid neither be thou dismayed for the lord thy god is with thee whithersoever thou goest and how true this is and i just got chills so many times i needed this scripture specifically in 2012 And 2011, back in the day when I didn't even know that I needed it, I was experiencing betrayal trauma then, and I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know what I was actually experiencing. And so to have had this scripture as my scripture of the year was so crucial to helping me heal and, and to helping me heal during that part of my life. Um, it's also helped me throughout the rest of my journey and I, and even throughout the rest of the times that I try to do those hard things that the Lord asked me to do, like go visit people or go make a meal or go visit someone that I don't want to visit or go do something that I don't want to do because I'd rather be at home. But this promise that he made to Joshua, he makes to all of us, and I know he does, to just not be afraid or dismayed because the adversary attacks us all the time, and especially when we're not in our comfort zone, right? He makes it impossible for us to step out of our comfort zone because of his fiery darts and the attacks that he gives, he does to us. But the Lord promises us that he will be with us. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. That means anywhere we go, wherever we want to go, whatever we're doing, wherever we are, he is with us. And I just love that promise. And we don't need to be afraid because he's always going to be with us. Okay, um, I did want to say that there are things that... Um, might be a little bit weird in these scriptures because the Lord is asking, um, Joshua to go in and take over a land. And I like the way that the talking scriptures has kind of put things and we don't know, um, the exact, uh, situation that they were in. We don't know um, if the people of Jericho were being wicked, and we don't know if the people of Canaan were being wicked, and we don't know all these different things and what covenants they may have made with the Lord or not. And so there there were three things that um, in the Book of Mormon, um, Moroni, you know, we don't think that like in the book of mormon moroni does not believe in just going in and crushing cities cuz he's awesome right like i have the lord's power i'm going to go crush everyone no in fact he didn't like doing that and he would that was like his last resort but he was trying to protect his family his freedom and other people that were innocent right and so those were like the reasons why they would fight was just because um they were trying to protect their own selves, right? It's like somebody coming into your house and trying to um trying to steal some stuff. You're going to protect your home or trying to hurt you. You're going to protect your home, right? Um but also like if the Lord wants us to move, right? We're going to do those things necessary to get to that place, and sometimes the Lord is going to displace the people that are there in whatever way that He needs them to uh, be displaced and sometimes that meant that they needed to um, they needed to take over because something else was going to happen, and so anyway. It we weren't that I was not there. I don't know what actually happened. I don't claim to think that I know all that happened for whatever reason. And so I think there are some atheists that think like if God is just willing to wipe out a people, then I don't want to believe in that kind of a God. Well, it makes sense. I wouldn't want to wipe, I wouldn't want to wipe people out like that either. And I would, I don't believe that the Lord does that. Um, so easily, but I also don't believe that, um, that we don't need it. Right. Like when I think of how the Lord sees us, obviously I'm not him, so I don't see it perfectly the way he does, but he, remember when we die, he doesn't see it as, as final as we do. And He's just moving people from one place to another to help them in their progression. And so when he kills people, it's not, and, and I'm saying this, and if any of my children die, I promise I will be the worst, like, I'll have the worst depression, attitude, everything, even though I am explaining this in this way. Um, any, any of my family members, if they die, like, this is how I'm going to feel. And even though mama, you know, I know where she is, but it still feels hard. Because she's not here. And so I know that the Lord's not saying all these people die because he's mean. But it's like that was their last place that they needed to be. And they're no longer progressing. And so he needs to remove them from there. And and so he's using his covenant people or other people who are being more righteous and being obedient to him to to help those people progress into a different state so that they can continue to progress in their different states of um, progression. So like, you know, we live, then we die, then we have to go to the spirit world. And then in there, we can be taught different things to continue to progress. And I think that's why they teach us the plan of uh, salvation so much so that we can kind of know the process so that we don't, aren't as scared of it as we could be. Um, But don't get me wrong. I would be devastated more than devastated. I would, I don't know what I would do. I would be be beside myself anyway. So yes, it is so mean for the Lord to do that. But at the same time, that is not how he sees it. Um, And also like, we don't know, how many times the Lord has asked them to do certain things. And obviously there's people that are so wicked, they destroy themselves based on their own choices. So it's nothing even having to do with the Lord. And so we have to remember there's, and, and also then there's like, you know, the talking scripture also brought up the fact that like sometimes when people win at soccer or they win a certain games and stuff like that you talk about oh you guys were destroyed we destroyed you guys but like really they're all still alive (laughs) even though if you were to write that down it seems really harsh right like and you're not there it seems really harsh so it's possible that they all died or it's possible that only some of them died because of their own personal choices of wickedness and it wasn't based on anything else so just take those things into account, like how do you speak when you say you won something right? so take that into account, and then also take into account that sometimes we make bad choices which lead us to bad consequences. Remember, good success would not include being dead, right, so what kind of success have those people been searching for, and did they um, and if they weren 't looking to be obedient if they weren 't looking to to keep commandments with the with God then There's certain choices that lead to destruction just by itself without the Lord having to actually intervene and strike somebody down, you know? So think of those different scenarios because sometimes that, because we weren't there, we could definitely read things a different way and Satan's going to try and convince us that the Lord is not merciful, that the Lord is mean and that the Lord is just out to dish out all kinds of you know punishments left and right which i know is not true because i've done a lot of bad things and he never struck me down you know yeah i've had to live with certain consequences and yeah i've had to deal with some of those things and yeah i've felt destroyed most of the time when i've had that happen to me but i'm still here and the lord promises to be with me if i'm keeping commandments so That's all we need to do. We just need to switch our direction to make sure that we're with him instead. Um, Okay. um, I'm going to stop because I got to go get ready and the familia is upstairs and I feel bad that the familia is upstairs doing stuff and I'm not. So, Okay, I'm back. All right. We were reading Joshua. Eight to nine, we just finished, and here's some commentary on that. Okay, look at the end of the verse eight where it says, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The words then are so important in verse eight. Okay, I'm just going to add. You got to look for if-then statements Woo, in the scriptures, and that's how you can get the equation for amazing life, okay? Um, okay, I'm going to keep reading what... um. The redheaded hostess says, says the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and day out, day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. The book of the law in Joshua's day likely meant the first five books of the Old Testament. For those would have been available to Joshua. Today we have been blessed with many more books and scriptures. What a blessing it is for us in the last days to have been given so many prophets and stories to learn from. And to be strengthened through. Consider the blessing that some of the scriptures only became available as the last days began. The book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants. With so many looking to us to gather Israel and build Zion, what a miracle that we were given so much to help teach us, strengthen us, and give us courage. Joshua was not just to read those books, but to consistently meditate upon them. That is how Joshua will have the truths of the scriptures distilled upon him. And then as he comes to understand them more deeply and his knowledge is increased, he should then observe to do according to all that is written therein. That process is what will make Joshua's way prosperous and bring success. So in these verses, the Lord is promising to be with Joshua, but he knows that Joshua needs to do the work to become fulfilled or to become filled with truth and knowledge. The Lord is not just saying that he will guide Joshua because he is the new leader, but he is teaching Joshua how to be a good leader and that Joshua would need to put some work and effort in so that scriptures become deeply planted within him. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Oh, I love that. And it's just like what I was saying earlier. Okay, and then um, there's a quote by President Ezra Taft Benson says, today the world is full of alluring and attractive ideas that can lead even the best of our members into error and deception. Success is righteousness, the power to avoid deception and resist temptation, guidance in our li- daily lives, healing of the soul. These are but a few of the promises the Lord has given to those who will come to his word. Does the Lord promise and not fulfill Surely, if he tells us that these things will come to us if we lay hold upon his word, then the blessings can be ours. And if we do not, then the blessings may be lost. However, diligent or however diligent we may be in other areas, certain blessings are to be found only in the scriptures, only in coming to the word of the Lord and holding fast to it as we make our way through the mist of darkness in the tr- to the tree of life. End quote. Oh, that's so powerful. I love it. Present, present as a Chaff Benson, April 1986, General Conference. Ooh, that was when I was six. And I don't know if I heard that live or not, because when I was six, my parents were still um, not, I don't think necessarily going to church all the way, maybe. But I remember my mom telling me, excuse me, that she, that it took her a while to become converted. So, um, okay, we're going to read Joshua chapter one, verse 10. Okay, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the host and command the people saying, prepare you victuals, that means food or meat, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Okay, so this is time to possess promised land, okay, Um. So then verse 12, and to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua saying, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded you saying, the Lord, your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land, your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land, which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan, but ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord have have given your brethren rest as he hath given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sun rising. And And they answered Joshua saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. I love that. that. Like, we need to have that on a sign. In fact, I better write that down. And verse 17, according as we hearken unto Moses and all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth Rebel, oh, excuse me. Rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words. In all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Okay, so then some some commentary. Just like Moses always obeyed with exactness, Joshua also does the same. In verse two, the Lord told him it was time to go into the promised land, and Joshua then went to the Israelites and tells them it is time for them to prepare to enter into the promised land. They had already conquered part of the land on the east side of the Jordan River, and that land had been given to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. But they will still need to help fight with their brethren. Oh, and that's why they were asked to to help, right? So it makes sense. Okay, we are in chapter 2 of Joshua. So let us go and read that. That. it says Joshua sends spies to Jericho they are received and concealed by Rahab they promise to preserve Rahab and her household and Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly saying go view the land even Jericho and they went and came into the harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there and it was told the king of Jericho saying behold there came men in hither to, to night of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent out sent unto Rahab saying, bring forth the men that are come to thee which are entered into thine house for they be they become to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and th- and said thus, there came men unto me but I wist not whence they went whence they were and it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out whither the men went i wot i want not and that just means i know not pursue after them quickly for ye shall overtake them okay and then it says but she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order in order upon the roof, and the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the unto the fords, and as soon as they were or as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out they shut the gate Okay, so imagine Joshua and other military leaders coming up with a plan on how to conquer the promised land. Which city would they conquer first? Which second? What was their plan to conquer? With the Israelites still camping on the east side of the river, Joshua sends two spies into the city of Jericho to look over the city and see its strongholds and weaknesses. They could then return to Joshua and come up with a battle plan. This is a dangerous mission. (laughs) Yeah, so they were located just west of the river Jordan or the Jordan River, and 10 miles northwest of the Dead Sea. It's 70 miles away from Jerusalem. It's 800, 800 feet below sea level and 3,500 feet below Jerusalem. It was called the City of Palms because of the number of palm trees. It was surrounded by a wall and considered the most fortified city in Canaan. Okay, so they said that there's a virtual field trip to Jericho, so go l- look for that on YouTube somewhere, because that would be kind of cool to go check it out in per- in virtual, even if you can't go in person, right? Okay, and then there's some more. Jericho would have been well aware of the Israelites' camp near to them, and known that they had conquered land on the the other side of the Jordan River so they would have been watch watching for any sign of invasion as the spies entered the land they would have hoped to bend to blend in and look like travelers while also remaining inconspicuous upon arrival in Jericho spying the spies stay at a harlot's house named Rahab there are differing opinions among Bible scholars on whether she was a prostitute for real or just an innkeeper since the Hebrew word can be sometimes translated as Hebrew. Either way, Rahab, a resident of Jericho, was an unlikely heroine. Also, I really love the fact that she was representing sinners, right? And that the Lord wants to save sinners also, not just the righteous but righteous who are the sinners who want to be righteous as well. Okay, Flavius Joseph Josephus was an ancient Jewish scholar and historian. He lived in Jerusalem after just after the time of Christ was he was born in AD 37 or 38. His writings contain Jewish tradition that can give us insight into details that are not included in the scripture text. For example, this is what he he said about the story of Rahab and the two spies. They took, a, they took a full view of the city of Jericho without disturbance and saw which parts of the walls were strong and which parts were otherwise and indeed insecure and which of the gates were so weak as might afford an entrance to their army. Note those that met them took no notice of them and when they saw them and supposed they were strangers they were only strangers who used to be very curious in observing everything in the city and did not take them for enemies but at even they retired to a certain inn that was near to the wall whither they went to eat their supper, which supper when they had done and were considering how to get away information was given the king as he was at supper, that there were some persons come from the Hebrews camp to view the city as spies and that they were in the inn kept by Rahab and were very solicitous that they might not be discovered. So he sent immediately some to them and commanded to catch them and bring them to him, that he might examine them by torture and learn what their business was there. As soon as Rahab understood that these messengers were coming, she hid the spies under stalks of flax, which were laid to dry up which were laid to dry on the top of her house and said to the messengers that were sent by the king that certain unknown strangers had supped with her a little before sunsetting and were gone away, who might easily be taken if they were any terror to the city or likely to bring any danger to the king. So these messengers being thus deluded by the woman and suspecting no imp... In position, went their ways without so much as searching the inn but they immediately pursued them along those roads which they most probably supposed them to have gone and those particularly which led to their river but could ne- could hear no tidings of them so they left off the pains of any further pursuit okay so that is what uh was found in josephus or was found by josephus or i should say written by josephus and in the book called antiquities of the jews book five chapter one and there's a picture of rahab (laughs) hiding oh excuse me hiding the spies um and it kind of just shows her like saying bye to the spies or whatever and they like left now let's see Verse 19, and it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless, and whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit, then we Then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto the words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came unto the mountain and and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Okay, and then... um, that's the end of the chapter two. And, so, and then commentary says, Rahab revealed that she not only knew who these spies were, but that she knew that the Lord hath given them the land. As a resident of Jericho, she had come to the understanding that the Israelites belonged on the very land that she lived upon. Therefore, it was inevitable that they were going to possess it for the Lord, your God. He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Imagine how unexpected this would have been for the spies. They could have been in unknown danger, but Rahab was placed in just the position to protect them, and she let them down through her window, which was upon the wall of the city. Rahab was sure that the Israelites would possess the land. Therefore, she asked for protection for her family. The spies assured her that they would indeed protect them for her to place a scarlet thread in the same window the spies were let down from they assured her that anyone within her house would be kept safe rahab used her knowledge of the area and of her community to tell the spies how to stay safe and the spies followed her counsel and were able to safely return and report to joshua it may seem strange that rahab a canaanite and a harlot would have faith like this but we do know her story oh just kidding but we do not know her full story and this can teach us that the lord that the lord's reach is far and to never assume someone cannot believe in christ develop faith in him and do great acts of faith just because of the way that they sin this is so true the lord was not only working through the israelites look what paul said of rahab by faith the harlot rahab Perish not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace that's the apostle paul found in hebrews chapter 11 verse 31 also the apostle james when speaking of the relationship of works and faith said this notice how he used rahab as an example of faith and works and this is found in james chapter 2 verse 17 and or Yeah. Verses 17 and 18 and verses 24 and 26. So it says 24, 25 and 26. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. End quote. I love that. Because it does go to show you that the Lord can use anyone to further his work if we are willing to work and if we have faith okay so now we're on joshua chapter three find my place here okay joshua chapter three says joshua leads israel to the jordan the lord cuts off the water of the jordan it stands up as a heap and israel passes over the over on dry ground So this is another one of those miracles that Joshua is to perform. Okay, and verse 1, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim, and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it, yet there shall be a space between you and it about two thousand cubits by measure. come not near it that it that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. and Joshua said unto the people sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you and Joshua spake. Unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know. That as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the... Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now, therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man. Okay, so it was a final it was finally time for the Israelites to pass into their promised land. Imagine how many times each of the Israelites thought of this moment. This is a moment they had been waiting for their entire lives. Abraham first entered the land of Canaan in 2100 BC, bringing no posterity with him before entering for the first time the Lord told him, "For I have proposed to take thee away out of Haran and to make of thee a minister to bear my name in a strange land which i will give unto thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession when they hearken to my voice now at about 1250 bc over one million of abraham's descendants were entering into the promised land for their everlasting possession dude also can you just think like this is all of abraham's seed and like that's like a big old family reunion (laughs) But, like, the whole time. And they're all, like, actual cousins and related to each other. You know? I think that's kind of cool. But also, like, it's powerful when you have family members doing uh, bad things and making bad choices. Because it influences so much more, I think, when it's your family member. Like, it's like some it's one thing to see that your friend is doing something and you're just like he's my friend you know but then it's another thing to actually see that it's your friend and your family member because it just makes that influence that much stronger I think so um that also I think contributed to the fact that some people would be disobedient so much more easily than people who were just like oh he's just my friend you know Um, okay. So then it says, uh, the Lord used the moment of them entering into the promised land to teach and strengthen the Israelites. As Joshua told the children of Israel, hereby ye shall know that this, that the living God is among you. The Israelites were not just to enter in, but the ark of the covenant was to go in first and stand still in Jordan. This is what a BYU religion professor wrote of the symbolism, this, of this moment and what we can learn from it. Okay, this is from a BYU professor named Carrie Mulestine. Mulestine, Mulestine. Okay, as their fathers had done at Sinai, Israel spent the day sanctifying themselves. They gathered their tents and belongings and arranged themselves behind the priests who bore the ark of the covenant, another important symbol. The lid of the ark of the covenant was also called the mercy seat or seat of atonement there was no more poignant symbol of christ and his delivering power than the ark of the covenant only by following this symbol would israel enter the promised land upon joshua's command the priests who carried the ark picked it up and marched toward the river jordan the israelites followed they had been promised that they would reach the other side but they first had to demonstrate their faith they marched up to and then into the river it was not until the feet of the priests bearing the ark where the ark were in the waters of the river that the Lord extended his delivering powers and parted the water and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over dry over clean over Jordan After this demonstration of faith, following squarely behind the seat of the seat of atonement and trusting fully in the delivering power of him who whom is symbolized, Israel finally entered into its land of inheritance. Oh, boy, that's amazing. I I really like the. Uh. What the talking scriptures people said about this and how sometimes during our trials or during our wilderness, during the wilderness, um, the Lord will give us instruction step by step, step by step, step by step. And so we can just kind of rely on that instruction. And then there's times where we are in our promised land and then the Lord or there's times when the Lord just needs us to do something um with faith and knowing that he will provide the way for us so like stepping into this lake or river um without the water actually going away but they needed to be stepping into it already like going into it you know it's kind of people always talk about leaning it's like leaning into it And moving through it already before the Lord can provide that miracle for us. And so there's different steps. Sometimes the Lord will part the sea before we need to step in or we need to actually step in and then he will do the parting. And so it just depends on what we need in our lives at that moment. Um, And I kind of liked those like that visual that they gave. Um, And then let's see, verse 13, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that came down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth all the ban- all his banks and all the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon the heap very far from the city. Adam that is besides Zertan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bare the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over it on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Okay, and then some more commentary so many uh, which i love here are a few facts about the jordan river the jordan river is the lowest river in the world it is a thousand three hundred twelve feet below sea level it is over 20 or er, it is over 220 miles long the snow from mount herman is primarily where the water is supplied for the river the river then runs through the sea of galilee and then continues and connects to the sea of galilee to the dead sea the Jordan River flows through the Jordan Valley, which is a deep and narrow valley. The city of Jericho is located in the Jordan Valley. The Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea. In verse 15, it helps us understand that at this time the river was at its highest and had overflowed at the banks. So this was not a small miracle. No one could say that the river was at its lowest point because here we learn that it was at its highest dipped in the brim of the water that the waters parted elder bednar used this story to teach this principle okay um Quote, recall all, recall how the israelites came to the river jordan and were promised the waters would part and they would be able to cross over on dry ground interestingly the waters did not part as the children of israel stood on the banks of the river waiting for something to happen rather the soles of their feet were wet before the water parted the faith of the israelites was manifested in the fact that they walked into the water before it parted they walked into the river jordan with a future facing assurance of things hoped for End quote. And that's in the September 2007 Enzyme. And I do like that because that's exactly what I just said. And then some more commentary. Unlike the walls of the Red Sea, which stood like walls to the Israelites, the water in the river rose up upon the heap on the side of the water flowed from. The priests stood in the water holding the ark as all the Israelites passed over the on dry ground. These Israelites would have heard about their mothers and fathers walking through the parted Red Sea and now they were experiencing their own miracle and witnessing that the living God is among you that would have been cool too to be like "Whoa, this is happening the same you know and just like how many times did they probably pray for a similar experience and now they are you know able to experience this themselves firsthand. BYU professor Carrie Mullestein Teaches how the entire journey of the Israelites from Egypt into their promised land teaches us of our journey through mortality to eternal life. He taught Quote, The full import of Israel's meandering journey comes when we realize that Israel experiences in the wilderness are both literal and allegorical of our own experiences. In Egypt, Israel was in bondage, as we are in bondage to sin. They left via a baptism like experience across the Red Sea and undertook their wanderings in the wilderness. Such wilderness journeys are found in various places in the scriptures, and we can liken them to our mortal probation. Not long after entering the wilderness, Israel made covenants at Sinai. Then They then wandered for many years. Eventually, they were brought to the river Jordan, which can be likened to the veil we will pass through at death, and crossed it Entering into the promised land, which can symbolize the celestial kingdom. I kind of like that, that symbolism too. Um, That was from Carrie Molestine, March, 2018, Enzyme. Okay, now we're on Joshua chapter four. I'm really loving these short chapters. You know what I mean? Joshua places 12 stones to commemorate the crossing of the Jordan. Joshua is magnified before the children of Israel as they cross the Jordan. After the priest bearing the ark, pass over the river returns to its course. Okay, and it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night." Then Joshua called the twelve men whom let's see this, sorry, the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man, and Joshua said unto them, "Pass over before the ark of the Lord." Your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when the child your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever um i think that's awesome because sometimes we need those reminders of the miracles that the lord has provided for us and like where like how do we have them before our eyes oh excuse me to remember them oh and something that i did miss in deuteronomy was um the fact that the lord commanded them to remember um his words and in Deuteronomy chapter 6 he talks about tying the commandments as symbols to their hands and bind them to their foreheads and then later in Deuteronomy he he says to fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and we take the wording of these commands to be figurative, you know, because whatever we do with our hands and whatever we think with our head is to be guided by, like, God and His, the Holy Ghost and his authority and his scriptures and his word, you know. But I, I see this done today, and we put scriptures on our walls to have them before our eyes. And we put, script like, we don't, you know, uh, we have them in our phones that we can, you know, see, and we have them as memes now, you know, where we can have quotes on, um, so shared on social media. We have quotes shared with each other and we have, um, those things. And so hopefully those words that we are putting in front of us are those words that the Lord has given us to help us remember who we are, to help us remember, um, his commandments, to help us do those things And remember those things that will help us become the people that we desire to become. And um, I guess this article that I just read says that somewhere at some point, um, possibly as early as 4th century BC, the Jewish rabbis began applying this verse very literally. And the practice of tying phylacteries onto their arms and heads commenced. And so the Lord instructed them to fix the words of that he was giving them to their hearts and minds and tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them to your foreheads. But, you know, if you think about that, I think that that is pretty awesome. Like they didn't have digital devices to carry with them to put their scripture, their favorite scriptures, you know, in remembrance. And this kind of also reminds me of like a trauma kit, you know, like in our trauma kit that I just got from the retreat, uh, the worth retreat, they gave us a bunch of the tools in there that can help us um, when we are being triggered by the adversary to think a certain way or to act a certain way that this trauma kit's supposed to help us like remember, right, this trauma kit's to help us remember. And so... um, but like if we don't take the trauma kit with us, then what's it, what good is it going to do, right? So it, it makes sense that the rabbis thought that it would be best to bring those things physically with them because how else are you going to remember stuff, right? Like, well, let's put some of these words on my forehead and let's put some of these words on my hands, you know, and then – it would be so easy to, if I need it, I have it. So, I mean, I think it's like totally a normal thing. Um, And then phylacteries are mentioned in the New Testament. Jesus actually warned his disciples about the hypocrisy of the teachers and Pharisees. And he said in Matthew 23, he said, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garments long. And so like, these were religious leaders of Jesus's day and they had obviously strayed from God's intention in the law because phylacteries were being made larger for the sole purpose of drawing attention to the wearer. (laughs) It says the larger the phylactery, the more piety it supposedly showed. Ironically, the very command to honor the word of God was being used to dishonor the word. And isn't that crazy that like of course, something that the Lord would say like, hey, remember these things and use your hands, you know, remember these things with your hands and remember these things with your mind and keep them always right with you. Instead, they like started wearing these things like showing off you know obviously i need a bigger box if i have more favorite scriptures right so i'm gonna put all like i'm just gonna throw this big phylactery in there and throw the entire bible right there on my forehead like there's no way right like let's be honest you do not know all the scriptures so obviously like it was not being used the the way that the lord intended and so and i think you know probably the first People who used it were really had really good intentions because I mean, it makes sense that you want to walk around with your stuff because, like, they didn't have digital devices. They want all their favorite quotes with them at all times and in all places. And, you know, especially if you feel really like, the The adversary is really attacking you a specific way. You know, you just think, "I better, I gotta have this with me." So, you know, it makes sense that that's what they would have done. And at first, I bet it was real, like really awesome. But then, obviously, by the time, uh, Jesus Christ was born and and preaching, it would just became not cool anymore. Like they abused it and they didn't use it for the right purposes and were just using it to show off. So, you know. <clears throat> it makes sense that they took it a little too far. Sometimes we take things a little too far as humans <laughs> and as mortals who need a lot of help. Um. Okay. Then we're reading Joshua chapter four, verse eight. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones. Oh yeah. So these stones were just supposed to act as like a reminder, remi- hello, a reminder of what they had just gone through and You know, imagine if like you didn't have um, these landmarks or you didn't have these signs like you would just naturally forget. And um, something that the David Bowman said, he's like, remember, every time you go to like a church site, they have these signs and they have these things that help you know that this was a sacred place or that this event happened here and it helps you to remember and you know if you've ever been to one of those places you know that you can feel the spirit so strongly as that has taken place there because it is like a reminder but if they didn't like if the church didn't actually purchase these certain locations and if they didn't make it a point to uh, make sure people could remember then people wouldn't remember and it wouldn't be a safe sacred place um so i think it is pretty cool how the church um, makes it a point to preserve those locations and those landmarks to help us know that that was where certain things happen. And your dad and I have been able to go to Palmyra and we were able to go walk through the Sacred Grove. And I can tell you for real, it is where Joseph Smith saw Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. Like, like you can feel it there. Um definitely a holy place. So anyways, um so if you get to a chance to go, we, you totally need to go. Also, maybe we just need to take you guys because it was really awesome when we went. And we always need locations to go when we want to travel. Okay, um, so verse eight. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Now, this is not the same thing as a cairn. Now, Finn, this is not acting like a cairn. (laughs) This is just, it's called a cairn, cairn. I don't know. I can't pronounce it right. Anyway, it sounds just like the name Karen. But um, basically where you line a path with a stack of little rocks and the rocks um, looks like a little tree because it's like you start with a big rock at the bottom and you slowly climb and it looks like the point like it gets the rocks are smaller at the top. Anyway, so and you put that along a path so that in the path while you're walking, you know that you're on the right path like if you keep seeing these current cairns then they then you're going on the right path. Now that's different than this landmark that they're doing cuz this is just they're stacking stones but this is just a landmark. So it's different than marking the pathway like when you go on a hike. This is just marking a landmark like something that people need to remember. Now, it's possible that they put current cairns there to go back to be able to know how to go back, but I don't know okay um and here's some commentary on that portion it just says joshua then told each tribe to have a man take out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm 12 stones it's to stand as a memorial so that when their children ask their fathers in time to come saying what mean ye by these stones then ye shall answer them that the waters of jordan were cut off before the ark in that miraculous moment joshua thought of future generations and what they could do right at the moment as the waters were still parted to build up the faith of those who were not there. And I love that because it is so necessary sometimes. Like, what are we gonna do? Where, what are we gonna place to help us remember what we have gone through and what we've been through Um, and what the Lord, what miracle the Lord provides for us. And for us, our daily reminders are our children. Each one of our kids, Finn, Faust, and Flora, are all our miracle babies. And each one of you represents us wandering in the wilderness for so long and then being delivered to our promised land. And so blessed to have you as reminders that the lord is so good he is so merciful to us which is probably another reason why we can't be mean to you even though you might think we're being mean we're not actually mean (laughs) and you guys know because we don't actually treat you the way le juan james people (laughs) would treat you parents i guess but i mean anyway because we like those funny videos about hispanic parents um. Okay, and then Howard W. Hunter taught about how important it is to leave memorials. Notice what he said here and consider how you can use memorials to strengthen your children's faith. And it's hard for you guys to notice their memorials because you guys are our memorials. So it's different. And so, yeah, we need to figure out what are those things that will help you remember. Um. I know that for Faust and Finn, Flora is a memorial for us. A remembrance but then and finn knows that faust is a remembrance for us but what about finn or what about faust you know or what about like finn before finn was born what is a remembrance before finn was born right that we can talk to you guys about so anyways um Said, so, and there are memorials in the church, and there can be your own personal memorials. How can these help you, your own posterity? Okay. Says, fathers have been leaving memorials for their children, and children have been raising them to their fathers since time began. On Temple Square in Salt Lake City, we have c- con- consciously surrounded ourselves with such memorials the old Nauvoo Bell, the Seagull Monument, statues of the restoration. Thorvaldsen's Christus, to name just a few. These serve to unite generation with generation, preserving in a long unbroken chain the important events of our command, her- of our common heritage. The passage of time and gro- the growth of our institutions often tend to separate us not only from each other but also from our common purposes. Down through history, we have been commanded to construct memorials and hold Passover feasts, or convene general conferences to preserve. The power of our united faith and to remember the commandments of God in achieving our eternal, unchanging goals. End quote. Excuse me. I was present. Howard W. Hunter, April 1976 Journal Conference. That was two years before Dad was born and four years before mom was born. Consider some memorials that are upon the earth as witnesses of what God has done for his disciples. Are there pictures of some of those places that you can show your children? Or you can take them to some of those places so that they ask, what mean ye by (laughs) this? That's cute. Um, Okay. And some people also leave journals. And that is like a super great way to leave a memorial of your life. Um, President Irene talks about having a gratitude journal that he writes every in every night and I think he says he lists like three things he's grateful for um and I think that's so important you know because if we are writing a journal about like (laughs) what food we eat for example because I've done that where we keep track of what food we eat so that we can stay healthy that's one thing and that I think that that helps us in the present but and that's not necessarily a memorial to something that is significant that has happened in our life. Although that does build a significant goal that we have in our life. Um, what they're talking about is like when something significant happens in your life, or maybe it doesn't even have to be that big, but when something meaningful happens in your life that created some kind of change in you or... Um, something that brought you closer to jesus christ like that is what they mean by leaving a memorial like that is what your posterity is going to want later on so that they can get to know you get to see what you've been through and how you've been able to accomplish the things that you accomplished, or if something hard happened you know like what were your steps or you know just what are the reasons why you love Jesus Christ and why do you depend on him? And um, those are the kind of things that are really going to help your posterity and things that help you remember those blessings that he's, that he's giving us. And so, yeah, I love the idea of having a remembrance and keeping something safe um, like that so that your kids can have something and this this podcast is like that for me it's a memorial so that when I have passed my kiddos will want well maybe not my kids maybe they are done with mom and they're you know tired of listening to me and that makes sense but what about my great great granddaughter who I will never meet What if she needs to know something that I said? Or what if a great, 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 great grandson needs to know something about our family? I don't know what those needs will be later, but I want anyone in my posterity to know how much I loved and depended on Jesus Christ, and that the only way to get through life is through Him, and that they'll never struggle as much because they know where to go. That's all. You know, but know that if you are my posterity, I will be stalking you from the other side of the veil. I will be present in your life so you will not feel alone ever because that is what I want to make sure. I want to make sure that you won't ever be alone. And so just know that the Lord is has placed you in our family intentionally, whether you cho- chose it or I got to choose you or the Lord chose, it doesn't matter. Just know that it was intentional and it was for a reason. And that reason was because you would never be alone because I was going to stalk you <laughs> to make sure that you would be safe and get back to me. And I have way too many journals to even read through. I don't think anybody's gonna do that. (laughs) So maybe these audios you'll be able to play double, triple speed, whatever speed you need to, so that you can understand that message. Okay, I'm waiting in the temple parking lot because I was late and had to reschedule a new appointment. I was so late because there was marathon runners. And honestly, if you're a marathon runner, you know, congratulations, I love you for that. You've done a great job in training your body to be able to do that. And I have high respect for you, but I don't know why we need to close streets down for this, okay? Okay, so. Appears that I cannot turn left here or turn right here because marathon is still not over. I don't know why, still not over. I'm now out of the temple. It's like 12 o'clock. Okay, it's like 11:30. Does not need to still be closed. The, these are the later gators of the runners. Let me tell you, that's the group I would be in. Um, okay, so I got into the temple and was able to be humbled and be taught because I was really frustrated and I entered with like a heart of, I don't know what I want to call it, one of those hardened hearts, if you will. And it's been stripped down like a, like an onion. (laughs) At the temple, so um, let's see if I can if I can help to understand or help help that help you see that the Lord is so gentle in his teaching. And I just was in the temple thinking about, like, the lesson that I need to learn today because of how late I was and had to reschedule and because of the marathon and all these things, you know, like, I could be really angry. I mean, let's be honest, I really was and could also have just turned around because I missed my appointment altogether and I could have left and I didn't. And and then the Lord taught me and I was like crying in the initiatories and it was crazy. but, But as we're about to read in Joshua about them taking over lands and destroying people. And because we're living in the 21st century, we have a lot of history of war and of bloodshed and of killing and of, like, genocide from, like, the Holocaust and all these really bad things. And, like, you know, and nine eleven, and all these things where people take the lives of so many innocent people um, because they think that their God has told them to do that in some way or another, and it's really hard for us to see. Like in the Bible, we don't understand the Lord's methods and we don't understand in the Book of Mormon, we don't understand the Lord's methods and we don't understand everything because we don't see the big picture he does. And so we don't understand why there are certain things happening the way that they do. And they use certain words that for us are very uh, final or very specific. And because we take a lot of things very literally, it changes the meaning of certain things that they Said, And so we have to remember that the Lord, that we don't just because we don't have all of the information and we are not the Lord, that doesn't mean that he is not gentle and that he's not merciful and that he is not kind and that he's not loving, even though it might seem to those people that are, you know, that their lands are being taken over or whatever, you know, even if it seems like to those people that it's super mean. Does that make sense? I don't know if it makes sense. Um, I really like the way that Follow Him podcast people put it. Whew. So I would recommend going to read that um, from the Joshua chapters. Or listening to that from the Joshua chapters. Because they put it, they they did a really good job of um, explaining that a little bit. And I'm going to read something that they quoted and I can't remember who it is now because all I did was take a screenshot of it but um it talks it's a it's about war and things in the book of mormon and the scriptures and I figure I'll just enter it here because we're about to read it and so just to remember what I'm saying here um okay so I'm gonna read it here says generally within christian thought philosophies or theologies regarding violence and are dominated by discussions of the ethical concerns surrounding the justification for human usage of violence focusing focusing on aspects of just war theory theological thinking related to you to the use of violence by deity is not as prevalent however there is enough of a discourse of a discourse on such aspects, that a general spectrum of Christian thought can be observed within which we can attempt to situate LDS scriptural discourse. There are, of course, many more thinkers and theologians that can be discussed here. The general spectrum of Christian thought on this issue spans from positions of an essential nonviolent nature of God to a recognition that God may choose in his wisdom to act violently when such is called for. To illustrate such a spectrum on one side is the theologian D Denny Weaver or J Denny Weaver who states the rule of the devil attempts to rule by violence and death whereas the rule of God rules and ultimately conquers by nonviolence. Okay, and I got home real quick. Says, on the other side, another theologian, Marislav Volf, concludes, There are things only God may do. One of them is to use violence. To be sure, both positions are well thought out and based on valid intellectual interpretations of scripture, combined with axiomatic theological assumptions. Many instances or examples from Scripture, mostly within the Old Testament, contribute to this spectrum of viewpoints. Theological analysis of such examples from the Old Testament can provide assistance in both evaluating the aggregate of those occurrences of divine violence in our scriptural canon, but also helping us make doctrinal sense of what these passages teach us about Jesus Christ and how to follow him, rather than taking the time to overview each of them it'll be easier to engage with one of the best books of external scholarship and theology on the subject by presenting the relational theolo- theology of Terence Freetham. Freetham, a Lutheran theologian, deals in depth with many of the characteristics of divine violence as presented in the Old Testament. Anyways, um, end quote and whatever. So, So yeah, so there's lots of people who can talk to you about that. Um, But I think the general rule is, at least for me, is I don't know God's thoughts and I don't know how he thinks. I do know that sometimes we as humans tend to blow things out of proportion and when we talk about conquering a place, it might not mean killing everybody. And when we talk about destroying things, it might not actually mean like everything gets destroyed and is wiped out you know because if I say "Ah, oh, we destroyed you you know those people are still alive and they're still there um and you guys are just playing a game you know so remember to think of those things when we're thinking when we're reading these scriptures and we'll go from there but now we're home so we're gonna read later bye okay so my initial thing i was telling you about how the lord is a gentle teacher and then i kind of went off on a tangent about war and things like that um i want to go back to the temple and tell you how it went so i was frustrated i was that i was late and i missed my initial appointment and i was like i'm just gonna go home but then i'm like no i've already come all this way you know so I'm like, I'm just going to reschedule. Maybe I'll reschedule the appointment, right? And it the system let me, which was nice, because sometimes there's no appointments, and then you need to just not, you're not able to reschedule. So it was amazing that there was an appointment available, right, Um, for a close time that I was there. And so I made that appointment. Anyway, finally I went, and you know i'm humdrumming that i'm there and it's like murmuring you know all these things cuz it's like why me and i get into my booth of course and like for the initiatories and this one lady is breathing so hard and i'm like why is she breathing like that and then you know it hit me it's like she really wants to be there and I so I thanked her for being there you know so that I could do the ordinance and I just started crying I could not stop crying it was crazy I had to get tissues and everything and it was mainly just because I the Lord was able to show me that she was making this huge sacrifice to be there and she actually said that she had just she had gotten COVID and that was the, the symptom or that was like the leftover, like that she had, like she, like getting COVID a while back and then like her breathing is still not back. And so she was still there. She didn't find that to be her excuse for not being there, but she, it was like, even though she had that problem of breathing and speaking, she didn't let that stop her from coming to the temple and serve the Lord and serve others. And so I just thought, Ooh, excuse me, what a powerful example of a faithful sister who was excited to be there. And she had a lot of trials, you know? And my trial of like, not being able to get through with the runners was not that bit big a deal, even though I was blowing it up. And then um, I was able to, her even, and this kind of reminded me also of like this other sister who was blind, who I, who was my, the sister who was performing the ordinance. And basically I just needed to read the name so that she could say it during the prayer. And I was just like, wow, or during the blessing. And I was just like, wow, like, why is she here, you know? And it's just like an inspiration to me, how people serve the Lord and are willing to do anything and everything for him. And, and it just kind of helps me keep going too. And um, so seeing the sister there at the temple, I then started thinking about, the story of the other sisters and what struggles they might be experiencing to get to the temple and how that might bless me in the end because of the work that she does. Anyway, so, and and that humbled me because I had the worst attitude. And so by the time I was done, I was like, I understand. Thank you for showing me. And I'm sorry that I was a complainer and that, you know, I just needed to learn what it was what was my lesson that I was supposed to learn out of that experience? And so I learned that I need to be more on time. I need to schedule appointments earlier rather than later. Because the later it gets, the more people show up. And then... Um, what was my other lesson? That it'll all work out, you know? So... Anyways, okay, we're on chapter, Joshua chapter 4, verse 8, after that huge long tangent of random stuff. Um, Okay, and the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest which bear the ark of the covenant stood and they are there unto this day now when they use the words like unto this day that means somebody else has compiled oh, excuse me has compiled the record and it's a, like been a long time right because why would you say unto this day if it was like last year you would just say last year right so um it's been a long time okay and then verse 10 says for the priests which bear the ark stood the mi- stood in the midst of the jo- of Jordan until everything was finished and that that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua and the people hasted and passed over and it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over that the ark of the that the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priests in the presence of the people, and the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over, armed before the children of Israel, as Moses spake unto them. About forty thousand prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests saying come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And the people came up out of jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped in gilgal in the east border of jericho and those 12 stones which they took out of jordan did joshua pitch in gilgal and he spake unto the children of israel saying when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come saying what mean these stones then ye shall let your children know saying israel come over this jordan on dry land for the lord your god dried up the waters of jordan from before you until ye were passed Passed over, and the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up from before us until we were gone over, and at that place of the earth, I might I know the hand of the Lord that it is mighty, and that ye might fear the Lord your God forever, okay, now I'm going to read a commentary about this it says it appears in verse 9 that Joshua also set up a memorial of 12 stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood so it seems that two memorials were built if the memorial that Joshua built was in the middle of where the river stood then the stones would be covered by water but if it was along the area that was marshy and overflowed and overflowed with water they could remain visible the man's eye and mark the area of crossing notice in verses 10 and 11 that the priest did not move until they were told they stood firm and held their positions until everything was finished wouldn't it be interesting to talk to them and ask them what that experience was like the ark would not have been a light thing it was made of wood covered in gold and bore sacred items inside including stone tablets but they stood until it was all done They were the first ones in and the last ones out. The amount of time was likely extensive, considering over one million people needed to pass through, and each Israelite was likely walking in reverence and awe. Dude, that would take forever. And I would be like, hurry up, you guys. (laughs) How long would this have taken? Was it hard? Were they ever concerned about the heaviness they were bearing? Did it seem too much? Did they feel strengthened in order to be able to bear it? Oh, it probably was something like Trek, where like, yeah, it would have been too much, but they were willing to bear it. Consider how this story can inspire us as that we seek to fulfill responsibilities the Lord sets before us. Those priests blessed the Israelites who lived at that time, as well as the millions that would be born into the promised land and that were yet... Wait, and born into the promised land that they were obtaining how can we stand firm in our responsibilities even if it feels heavy or even if it feels too long how can we be strengthened until everything is finished and stay until we are the last ones out how can these priests inspire us to endure you know uh that kind of reminds me of sister wilson she's always so good at being the last one out she wants to make sure that everybody's taken care of that everyone's good and she's always the last one out. And if Sister Slade's there, Sister Slade's trying to do that. Um, and I'm talking about like in primary. So, but this, but I remember having activities with Sister Wilson, where the youth we would all gather, and she would stay late to make sure that we that everything was clean. And so I am grateful for an example of that. Okay, so consider how no. We already read that. Okay, verse 13 explains that about 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle. This verse indicates that the tribes who had already received a land inheritance were not just staying on their land waving goodbye to the rest of the Israelites. They were joining them, ready to fight with them so they could also receive their inheritances. The tribes were unified and joined together. Okay, we're on Joshua chapter 5, so I'm going to stop there, we're going to upload, and then we're going to keep reading. Also, can I just say that it is a new week again, and (laughs) I'm so far behind, but I really love reading these, and I was hoping that we would get into a chapter where it was super boring, I wouldn't want to read it, and then I'd be like, let's just skip it so I can catch up. But the rest of the other chapters are so good too, and I'm like, ah man, I'm just going to have to read faster or something. So, here we go. So yes, thank you for showing up and I'll record in the next one, Joshua 5.